I didn't understand the product properly. So I didn't actually connect. Is this person going to buy this product? I got myself into a bad, bad place with, uh, with debt and had all these costs to pay. Uh, I, I was just ruined. This is The Summit by Fearless Adventures. I'm Dominic McGregor, and every week my co-founder David Nunes and I will be talking to inspirational leaders about their experiences as they strive towards their summit. Welcome to The Summit podcast. Uh, This is a video podcast series where we talk to incredible individuals who have been on amazing journeys, both personally and professionally. And today we've got Danny Buck joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Can't wait to dive straight into your story, what's kind of drived you to where you are now and kind of what the future holds. I kind of break it down to three key events. So I go back to the very first event, which kind of classes my upbringing. So I was brought up uh, middle class. There's no like rags to riches story or anything like that. My mum worked for HSBC Bank 30 years. Uh, My dad worked for Kellogg's 30 years. We got what we asked for at Christmas, you know, Playstations, things like that. So there was no real like um, like hardship, but my mum wanted me to go to a really good school. Um, I went to, it was grammar school, not, not private school. Whereas my dad kind of tra- uh, taught me all about like streetwise things and things like that. So every Saturday, there's a place called Bowlers. I don't know if you know around in Manchester. And we used to do uh, car boot sales every single Saturday morning. I don't know whether I'm a bit old uh, but on this, but there was, there was a magazine, a uh, newspaper called The Loot. I don't know if you remember it. It's basically like eBay before eBay. It was a newspaper. We used to find things in The Loot, go and buy it like... Um, mobile phones or video games or things like that and we'd go and then we'd get all together and we'd go fill the boot go to bowlers and then we'd sell it every saturday morning and i feel like that sort of initial start to trade or retail so just for profit thing, just for profit it wasn't like you were going to car boot with stuff from your car, your actual house it was literally you were going there for profit <laughs> yeah going yeah. there yeah so it was like it was a way of making extra cash never thought anyone did that in life What's yeah. that? I never knew anyone would do that in their life. No, no, it was just, it was a strange, because my dad, mum and dad had uh, salaries. Yeah. But the extras, you know, they, they, we'd go and, like, we'd have, like, a, hol- a big holiday every year and that sort of thing, but there was no, like, additional income. Mm. And that's where we got the additional income. It was a couple of hundred quid, something like that. Yeah. But, you know, like I say, it was, it was that hundred quid. But, like, for me, I think I'd get about 20 quid. My dad would get 200 quid or something like that. But, like, that 20 quid for me was, was like, fantastic. Yeah. I was motivated. I started to realise at that, that sort of stage I was motivated by earning money. So then I went on to kind of what a class like, uh, like further along, I went to university. Uh, if I'm honest, I hated university. I thought it was a massive waste of time. I, uh, I don't really regret it because I met some nice people and things like that. But going back, I wouldn't go back to university. Uh, but whilst I was there, I, I don't know if I should say this on camera, but I, um, I sold fake wallets uh, on fake eBay. Wallet fake eBay. wallets, yeah. <laughs> I made it clear it was, um, it was a fake certain brand wallet. Yeah. And instead of it being 150 quid, I was selling for 40 quid. And then we got to, into this stage. And this was kind of like my first taste of e-commerce. And we got to a stage where I was paying my so housemates. you took the car boots online? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a lot of progression, yeah, in my, yeah. In my career, 20, 20 years old. And um, yeah, so I was paying my housemates to do it. So I was selling them, and then they were taking them to the post office, and then I was paying them a pound a unit. And then I think one Christmas, we made about six grand on these, these fake wallets. So everyone was in, like, good places in third year. And I just realised I'm, I'm utilising zero what I'm using uh, learning at university. There was no, uh, there was nothing in our syllabus because when I was at uni, uh, Facebook had just come out. It was, it, was the, it was its first year, and they were teaching things like radio advertising, things mm-hmm. like that. So the syllabus, because I think it was about six or seven years old, was totally outdated. Which, which course are you doing at uni? I did business and marketing. I think it was or business and communications. How great 
do you think it is to have a period of time in your life when everything's covered for you and you can just do what you want? Yeah, it was it was amazing looking yeah. back at the time. Yeah, you could you could say I'm, I was lucky to be in that period because that's the same social chain. It's like student loan paid for accommodation, and then you could do whatever you want. Yeah, because you've got time and you don't have to worry about money, and then you can just unless you're an idiot and you'd like me, I'd spend my student loan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think for for life, that is such a powerful moment because it just takes the hierarchy of needs, and mm. you can be like, okay, I'm going to be entrepreneurial. Yeah, yeah, and that, that was it. So, but I was whilst I was there, I was always looking. So I'd always work. I worked at Man United. I was in, worked in the Red Cafe. I'd always travel back. I was at Liverpool. I'd always travel back every weekend, try and work. And I was doing the wallet. So I was always trying to earn more money at that stage, um, and just not not really focusing on studies. And that's why I, f- I feel that if I wasn't at university at that period of time, I I might have had um, maybe a, a, a quicker start. Yeah, university finished kind of goes on to the second. Key moment, I'd say, in my life where I, I started. I expected coming out of university, I got a two-two. Uh, I expected though, because I'm uh, a graduate, I'm going to get a job. It's going to be twenty-five grand plus bonuses, all this sort of stuff. And then I went into the real world, and there was no jobs. And I got offered, uh, I think it was sixteen grand uh, to do uh, customer support for maternity leave. And I was like, well, I've got a marketing degree, I should mm. be in marketing, all this sort of stuff. And I couldn't, I couldn't get the job I wanted. I applied for loads, loads of people turned me down. I ended up taking this job. Um, say for 16 grand a year, uh, customer support, maternity cover. And this is a, a software company. And this, is, this was kind of to the point that 16 grand was actually the best wage mm. I'd been offered. So that's, that's why I took this. And um, what I realised was the girl that I was uh, covering for maternity leave, she uh, was, was kind of dragging out the full, the full day's work, uh, sorry, the full week's work, instead of like what I did. I just got in and I, could, I answered all the tickets in, in two days. So I was asking the company for more work. And they said, well, why don't, you, um, why don't you try and upsell some of the customers? Um, it's like support packages and maintenance, website maintenance packages, stuff like that. There was like, um, even though it was like a, like a big um, software company, they, they developed software for the NHS. They had a, a website development division. So marketing, web, web marketing wasn't even a thing. This is when I was 22, so a long, long time ago, 14 years ago. And um, yeah, there, there was no such thing as like SEO or PPC or anything like that. So I got into this bit and I said, right, well, I'll, I'll for the, the other three days a week, I'll, I'll basically just go into the sales team. And I started selling and started like hitting the company's sales target just off support contracts and maintenance contracts. So I was saying to the, um, my boss at the, the time, like, can I, can I go into sales? Can I sell the websites? Because this, this is what he did. And he was like, well, that's kind of my, my job, but I'll bring you on the, uh, on the sales meeting. So this girl who was doing support then came back. She then... Uh, did that, but then I got offered a job in the sales team, which was I think it was about eighteen grand plus commission, so a little bump, yeah. And then uh, we started hitting the sales targets, and I got into this this kind of thing where there was a company called Ripple Effect. I don't know if you remember yeah. them in Liverpool, yeah, yeah. And they were really like so we were based in um, in Ellesmere Port, so they were they were kind of a competitor, but not. But I was I was pushing for SEO. It was like this thing called SEO. It's coming. We need to get involved. We need to start selling these contracts. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, does a saying? Uh, so you can sell the website, and then you get a retainer. And I said, let's set, let's. I think uh, I basically built this business plan out uh, to the managing director of the whole software company, and said, I, I want to do SEO and paid search, and this is going to be the future of marketing. I think this is going to be to take off. And, and he basically said, I'm not opening the document. It was quite a big document. It was like I think we needed to hire like a couple of staff, but within no time, like I'd, I'd worked out like the staff cost. 
and the, re- the, the revenue I think we'd get. When I presented that document and they said no in something which I thought was a great opportunity, I think I was 21, just going 22, and he said, no, I'm not even opening it. So I basically went to my manager, who's my brother-in-law, and said, I'm going to leave, I'm going to do this myself, I actually believe this. And he said, well, if you're going to leave, I'm going to leave, because I, w- I want to do my own company too. There was myself, this guy called Graham, who's my brother-in-law, and he was my manager, and then there was three, three staff in this, this division. And when we went to the managing director and told him, he basically threw his uh, toys out the pram, um, and then his dad, who was like the chairman, realised, actually, we can't operate with, without these two people. Let's put a deal on the table to sell it to them. So at 20, I turn, turned 22, I did a management buyout of this web division, and we bought it for about 160000 I think it was, which to me was like, what, like nearly... What, 10 times my salary, sort of thing. We split it in half. Um, my mum and dad gave me 10 grand to it. Um, Graham's dad gave him some towards it. We went to the bank, got 60. And then we basically said, we'll give you this up front, and then the rest can we spread over two years. And what happened with that, though, um, which, I, which was quite smart, and I've tr- I'm trying to replicate that with some of the deals and um, our companies I'm buying at the moment, is you amortise the return. Mm-hmm. So the clients, as long as you keep them, pay, f- pay for the 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 um, the acquisition yeah and that worked so we then took that out created a company called Webtize I was twenty two going on to twenty three sort of in, into that year in debt to my parents a little bit ten grand which doesn't seem a lot but to mum and dad was loads mm-hmm. um, and then moved it forward created SEO off we went we ended up becoming um, Europe's biggest e-commerce uh, Magento e-commerce marketing company mm. uh, so that went all the way through eight years. Which I'll, I'll get to my next life event, which I think is probably one of the worst moments of, of my life. But so we went, so, so basically left me and Graham, brought uh, two of the three staff over, and then grew that up to 105 staff. But around six years into that, I lost interest, basically. I just, uh, I just, I don't know, just fell out of love with my, my own company. Um, said to Graham, don't like it anymore, let's, let's, let's quit. And he's, I remember him just saying, we started this together, we should finish it. Let's, let's try and build the company to a, a point where we can sell it. So I was like, well, that seemed, that seemed logical. I had no idea about selling a company. Like, and he's like, well, you can get like X times multiple your profit or X times multiple your revenue. I was like, fucking hell, that's like a lot of money. Okay, yeah. let's, let's try and do this. So I got a bit of motivation, but what we needed to do was bring in a CEO. So we brought in uh, a CEO, we re- and it really, really like reignited the business again. It was like I was motivated. This mm. guy had come in; he was fresh, he was brilliant, and he was he was kind of interesting. And like his his processes, he'd built a big business before for sale. Um, and long story short, um, after about a year, he pointed his finger at me and said, "I don't like you." So I was like, "Well, hold on, this is my business," um, and it just from. This, this, from the sixth to the seventh year was great. From the seventh to the eighth year, when I left, was horrendous. He'd wait till I go on, uh, went on holiday, write me a big long email about how he hates me, and then I'd come back from holiday. We'd have a big slangy match, mm. buy it, and then we'd sort it out for like two weeks. And then he'd then send me an email again. He'd never like attack me face to face. It was always digitally, and at moments where I was supposed to be chilling out, so I'd go on literally at stressful time, try to sell the business. I'd go on holiday, I'd get, we call them love letters in the end, and getting these love letters on holiday, and they just like piss me off, and I just decided that's it. So um, he did the third one whilst I was away with family, again like two or three days into the holiday, 
really, really spoiled the holiday. So I got back and just said, I don't care about the sale, I'm off. I left in July, handed my shares back to the board and said, you guys have to grow this company because it's your shares. I'm not selling them, so um, you just grow it without me. And then that kind of accelerated a sale. They tried to then sell the company quicker uh, to get rid of me. And then in October, they made a deal with me to buy my shares um, for, I think it was about maybe 700,000, something like that, six, 700,000. But they asked if they could spread it over two years or three years. So then in January, I got a phone call saying they're putting the company into administration. So at this point, I'd launched my new company, um, which was in the retail space, done all this, committed to 350 grand of costs, and then had the rug pulled underneath to the point whereas you could say on paper I was actually bankrupt at that stage. But um, the way I managed cash and stuff like that and got some loans, I kind of went into the new phase from there. Interesting. Yeah. I think the entrepreneurial journey and kind of what we talked about in terms of the summit and going where you go is, you know, you, you kind of have moved past and then you have kind of turbulent paths. Yeah. And it's like the more you get over those turbulent situations, the better it, you get as an individual. So therefore, when it comes to the next kind of challenge, you're actually in a better position to handle it. Yeah. So like you said, you know, the first kind of situation of you trying to buy out, buy out the company from the software company, you didn't have no answer to how to get 160 grand, so, but you figured it out. Yeah. yeah. And then next time when you come and you've got 350k, Whole you go, okay, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. So that kind of attitude builds over time. So, um, yeah, it's really, really impressive. And you're on to Ram Builder? Yeah. From the moment I left in July, I then started planning uh, this new venture, which was, um, it was actually Circular first, which is a, yeah. a watch brand. So I had a lot of clients. I did all the digital strategy for a lot of the fast fashion brands in Manchester. And I saw like influencer marketing taking off. And some of these guys were making like 20 million. 30 million quid, and they had like a team of 20. Mm. And I had 104 staff, and we would, our turner was 4 million. So I'm thinking, oh, yeah, like, it's all marketing. Like, in my world, it was like, it's all marketing. It's just a product from China labeled up, and then it's all marketing. So I got, I got into this space, and I was like, right, so new venture, how are we going to do it? What do I know? And then I think similar to what you did, I, t- I, took, I took about two months, played golf with my dad, just took a, a, like a chill, just really like, like, sink, like sink, let it sink in, think about it. And I came up with this idea that um, was actually crap in the end. It was um, fast fashion watches. So I thought I had this idea that people would buy watches like they buy shoes, like they buy sunglasses, like they buy like clothes. And you would buy a watch, change the strap, all that sort of stuff. And that was circular. So that was my first venture. We did a Kickstarter actually in November, got fully backed, then launched it officially in January, which, as you know, is the worst time to launch a retail business. So we launched. Well, you didn't know the time. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Zero experience. I just, I honestly thought, get something from China, label it up, make a nice brand, get a load of influencers to promote it, do a bit of digital marketing. You've got a twenty million pound business dead easy. But what I failed to do, and I've actually, it's probably my worst trait, is um, I didn't understand the product properly. So I didn't actually connect. Is this person going to buy this product? And what I found with the psychology of buying a watch, people either buy a watch for status or for function. They don't buy it really for fashion unless it's like a status side to it. So I had these, all these watches, bought 350 grand's worth, committed to 20 grand a month of marketing with influencers, which is a, a, a bad move. It's probably one of the worst mistakes I made, signing up influencers for 12 months without them doing a post. Then they do the first post, they're all to crap, you've got to pay them for 12 months. So I got myself into a bad, bad place with, uh, with debt, but I assumed because I was selling my shares, I'd have the cash flow to do it. So then when that happened, then that happened in January and had all these costs to pay. 
uh, I, I was just ruined. So what what happened was, I mean, this is going to sound a bit opulent, but um, in October or November, my, it was my mum's 60th birthday in March. So we, we paid up front and booked Mexico there. So then when it came to this point in, um, in March where we were going to Mexico, me and Amy went to Mexico. So even though we were in this bad financial position, we were going to Mexico. It sounds stupid, but it was already paid for. But on that holiday, we really like, like had like just great moment as like we've, we've been married now for nearly 18 years, but we had just a great like couple moment. And I remember we said, right, what, what are we good at? So I decided I was going to go back into consultancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, this is where Brand Builder came from. So uh, I was going to do Brand Builder plans. I was basically going to do people digital strategies and sell them for 250 quid a go. We worked out our costs. I had uh, a Jaguar F-Type costing me a grand a month, which was from, back from the web ties days, which I committed to. If I handed it back, it would have cost me uh, 14000 So I couldn't give it back. So like in this place, I had to find the money to, to pay for it or just basically declare bankruptcy. Uh, we had a mortgage. We had about 80 grand in the house. I think that was always our, like, we've got something in, in the house. We bought a house whilst, we were do, um, whilst the businesses were doing quite well. And that was all, always something we'd say, if it all goes to shit, at least we've got that, that 80 grand. That was like kind of our like absolute like backup, backup fund. Um, so we worked out, I think our costs, as well as that being able to live and repay the debts, were about 5,000 a month. That's what we, we, we service. We got a couple of credit cards and then at certain points we used to pay for food on the credit card points. We'd uh, translate the points into Marks and Spencer vouchers and then go to Marks and Spencer and get, uh, get our food. Um, so we had like quite a nice financial plan. Um, but one of the ideas from Mexico, Amy came up with this, this business. So she's had e-commerce businesses before. Nothing major, just a handbag brand. And, and then uh, she came up with an idea for a jewellery brand. Uh, and she's always been passionate about animals, animal charities, things like that. So thought, well, what if we linked an animal charity to a jewellery brand? And this wasn't really being done at this stage. We were, I think there was a couple, there's like... Um, company called Pura Vida, there's like a, an ivory ele- like an elephant one, but I don't I couldn't name one yeah. that was actually around. I remember watching Ivory Ivory Ella grow. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Twitter guys. Yeah, run Twitter brands. Is that right? Yeah, Twitter guy called, a guy called Ryan. They run Twitter Twitter pages. Smart guy. Smart guy, yeah. Yeah, so he's doing well, really well now. Yeah. Um but there wasn't really anyone doing it. So we thought, right, so let's connect. This will create a niche. And I was always, I always used to talk about micro niches and stuff like that, which is like a Seth Godin um yeah. sort of thing. So we went, right, so we're going to do women's jewellery and we're going to uh, do an animal charity and let's give it a go. So let's do really low price stuff. And what we worked out, instead of the circular one, which was basically me trying to prove that I could make a big business and there's loads of ego involved in that and that's why there was so much cost. Uh, let's strip it back. Let's work out how to actually just make a, a brand that fits under the VAT threshold and makes money from, from day one. So I think we, we aimed for it to make like two and a half grand profit a month, basically. And we did it from, from day one. It worked really well. That, that gave us half of our money every month. And then the other half came from me uh, on social media, recording what we were doing with Honu and then selling brand builder plans. Mm-hmm. And uh, I aimed to sell like between 10 and 20 a month. And then off the back of that, people started asking me to do consultancy. And then before and, uh, I knew it, uh, we had like, I think it was about eight and a half thousand a month we were making. So we're paying the debts, we're servicing the debts and off we go. So if you think at this point in time, we've got um, Shop Pony, which is the women's jewellery brand. We've got Circular, which is still going because now my ego's damaged. I can't be seen to let Circular <laughs> drop. So we're keeping Circular going, funding it, funding that debt. We've got Honu bringing in a profit and me recording myself on social media talking about this to try and get consultancy deals. Mm. 
from that point, uh, a guy called Alex Cannon, who's now my business partner, saw my philosophy on building brands and, and, the, and the way we did it and pitched me a men's jewellery brand, which wasn't really a thing. And we sat down, went to Nando's, and he basically told me all about this stuff. And I was like, great, great. I thought he was after free advice. Just uh, kind of like switched off a little bit. And then he said, so do you want to do it with me? I was like, what? And he said, um, he said a men's jewellery brand. I was like, oh, me? You want to do it with me? All oh, right. Wow. Okay. Um, how could we do that? Uh, and then went back to Amy, said, she's like, we should just try it. Like, we know that jewellery is profitable. Why not give it a go? So we pulled it all together, um, come up with a name, crafted, launched with just two products. And then the day we launched, we made 10,000 quid. I was at that point, day one. Yeah. You know, where, where was the aim for the summit? Where, where do you think you were going to get to? In my notes, I wanted on notes. Yeah, to sell a brand for 5 million yeah. and buy a vineyard. That, that was my goals. Yeah. yeah. That was my goals. Yeah. Health, no, vi- health, no vineyard yet, though. No vineyard yet. No. I could do it. Yet. Yeah. 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 Um, Is that still the aim? I think so. I think I'd kill myself on it, though. Like, free wine on tap, my God. Um, can't drink the product that's the, that's the, I know that's, that's the, the value, secret that's the yeah. yeah no we've talked about we've talked about it um, Amy would like to attach a um, an animal sort of uh, yeah. thing to it if we did it yeah so there's loads of stuff that she wants to do like something in maybe Santorini and mm. attach a donkey sanctuary yeah. and yeah. stuff like that um, so, so with Brand Builder you kind of recently renamed in Sunday Times Fast Track yes yeah, yeah. that what was your mother it was 15th I think 15th, yeah. What, yeah. what were your guys one of our businesses, Pet Pios, was 16th. Yeah, <laughs> I did text that yeah. morning and said, oh, you beat us by one place. I thought it was the other way. I thought it was the other no, way around no, no, when I was reading it. Yeah. I, I saw it. I was like, I was like, oh, I knew we'd be close. Yeah. I that, knew we'd be close. That was... Um, 4% of it, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was unexpected. Totally unexpected. Um, just got uh, asked to enter. And then I just assumed we'd be like 100 or, or 90th or something like that. I didn't expect That's to be in the top then. 20. That was like a proper, proper shock. Probably, probably my best achievement. Today, yeah. I think. Like obviously, through kind of everything you've gone through, you know, there's there's adversity, there's kind of massive peaks, there's real downtimes. You know, like you say, having to speak to your your wife about a financial plan for the future and mm. the risks you're taking. You know, is part of the entrepreneurial journey. Where do you want to go to? Where do I want to go from here? Yeah. Any industries that you've not tapped into oh. yet that have caught we, your eye? Or we talk about it a lot, but at this point, because you know, my, my goal was always to like be a millionaire. And then it's stupid putting uh, a numerical value on a goal because when you hit it, that's when I feel you start. You know, I've never, uh, I'm quite lucky, I've never really felt like depression or anything like that. Um, but I feel at this point now, like I've, I've hit my goal. Mm. So now what? And it's that, that, that is a struggle. I know it's like a very, it might seem like a very nice problem to have, but when you lose purpose, I feel that's the point where motivation really dips. So we're in a point now where, you know, we've achieved it. Like, what is what is it? And I feel that what we want to do now is start to, now we've created some wealth for ourselves, like to create wealth for the, the people in the business, um, family members, and extend that out mm. so that other people can have good lives as well. So we've talked about that. Um, but I think for me, it's, you know, what is my Champions League medal? And we have a brand crafted, which is leader in its class worldwide now. It's, um, it's the fastest growing uh, men's jewelry brand in the world so you know is that uh, i look at uh, e-commerce brands because i've been in e-commerce that's all i know really football e-commerce and wine i'm really boring other than that so like what Good question if you know football well. yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> I, know. I used to know football well, so. Um, so it comes down to that i think what what where do i go from here what do i do next and for me i, I feel like my champions league medal is a case study in in e-commerce like a, a, a movement watches a pure vida a 
you know, a big, a big exit, mm-hmm. um, which creates enough wealth for the people that have helped it to get to this point. Everyone will be rewarded from it. But you know, I'm at a point of you know, I've made more money than I ever thought I would make. So I'm happy on that that respect. It's now about continuing through purpose and and making sure that. There's something to keep me motivated. And you'll have a nice glass of wine from your vineyard that day, will you? I will. I yeah. will. Yeah. I'll just toast it. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. yeah, still. Look back to those moments when you thought it was never going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That'd be lovely. What kind of advice would you say has been key throughout the whole process? Any that's been consistent or that you would give to other entrepreneurs who are aiming for the same summit? Yeah. So the, the, there's only one which I, when I'm asked that question that I really focus on. And the biggest mistake I made was I let my ego try and prove to other people that I was being successful through Circular, mm. and I got in debt. This, any, any brand that I'm starting now, uh, or any brand starting that, that wants to do it, focus on profit, really, really establish a, a, a proper business first, and grow from there. It, it's so crazy, that's like... Yeah. Basic. It's so crazy that how basic it is and how people don't listen to that. Yeah, I know. Mm. I know. They just let ego get like yeah. get in the way. They want to look successful. Growth. And people yeah. aren't, you know, like raise say, big money, spend a lot of money, buy revenue, lose money. I don't think, you know, it's not cool to say we made uh, 10 grand profit last year. Like, no. but then you look at businesses that are losing 100 million. And that that for me was the the game changer. When we when we did Honu, that that was a, you could look at the like service business, failed e-commerce uh, business really really small profitable whole new business like and from that point there that was when everything everything changed from us because we established product market fit and we grew from that point slowly and i think that's that's it amazing thank you all right thank you very much thank you for coming on and if you get the opportunity please like share and subscribe to the fearless adventures the summit podcast